starts at 1, so I better get busy here. If you have your Bibles, learn that, go to Luke chapter 22, if you will, with me. Uh, you know, Jane's got her wildcat shirt on today. She posted it on Facebook. I'm going to wear it. I don't know if it's appropriate or not, you know, as far as church wear. And I thought, at our church, really? I mean, I'm just glad she's wearing clothes, aren't you? Amen. I, at our church, you never know what you're going to get. Praise the Lord. This is, uh, this is March Madness, though. And when I was getting ready for church, I decided to wear my chucks. I'm ready to go. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach with it in my hands today. So it just, it just feels like this is the right time of the year to do that. But really what I want to talk to you about today is that in life, if you're going to be successful and if things are going to go well in your life, there's one thing you're going to need to know how to do. You're going to need to know how to rebound. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Luke chapter 22 Beginning at verse 31, Jesus is speaking to Peter, uh, who at the time was referred to as Simon. And the scripture says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you. I could preach right there all day long. Who does he think he is? To demand to have any piece of a child of God whatsoever. He's an arrogant, cocky fool who has no ability to demand anything from us or to do anything to us. And whatever is allowed is only allowed by God's hand so that it can develop us and not destroy us. Amen? It says, Satan has demanded to have you so that he might sift you like wheat. But look at verse 32. But I have prayed for you. Boy, that, that's it right now. The fight's over. It's done. Game over. Jesus said, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again. Now those two words, turned again, are, are translated differently in different versions. But they all basically mean the same thing. And what it means is, is that when you have rebounded. When you have gathered what you had lost, what was stray, what was moving in a direction at, that is out of control. He says, once you have turned again or rebounded what you have lost, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter. The rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Father, help me today to be able to preach effectively this morning and somehow to encourage those who need to know what it is to rebound something that has escaped them. You know, when we, we talk about rebounding, Lord, I'm not talking all uh, necessarily about those who have backslidden in their relationship. But sometimes, Lord, we lose certain things from our spirit and from our life. Sometimes, like we preached last week about uh, those uh, workers who had been oppressed and abused. They had gotten to the place where they were so broken down, Father, that they didn't even resist anymore. But Lord, I, that's a dangerous place for your people to be. 
Help us not to get to the place where we determine that we're not going to resist the ways of the enemy anymore, but instead we're going to rebound and come back and turn things around and discover, discover that where there was no hope, there is hope in you. So, Father, I pray that you'll help me to communicate effectively today, to say what needs to be said, and that you will encourage those, Father, who need to experience a rebound in their lives. And in just a few moments when we pray together in this altar, and when we receive from your body, and when we drink the cup that, that, that speaks of your blood, help them and help me to remember that we always overcome through the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of our testimony, speak to us today, Father, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. It was the late 70s, and I was attending West Coast Bible College in Fresno, California, school of about 300 students. My wife and I, I think at that point, were already married, and so life was good. And I had gone out for the basketball team. Now, before you think, well, I never did see any of your highlight reels on ESPN, that's because there are none. <clears throat> I, I was not very good. In fact, I, you know, everybody on our team was, in fact, pretty bad. I mean, we only had 300 students in the whole school, maybe 350 on a good day if they all came to class. We had a little basketball team that we played in a league there, among other Christian colleges and that kind of thing. And, and in one particular game, when it was all over, the coach came up to me and he said, I'm going to have to do some detailed checking. He said, but I believe that in this game tonight that you have set a new school record for the most rebounds in a single game. You got 21 rebounds tonight. Now, at first I thought, man, I'm good. And I mean, that, that, that was kind of like, oh, man, praise the Lord. If ESPN is ever going to come around, they'll come around now. This has got to be the highlight of my career. 21 rebounds. And then it dawned on me that the reason that I was able to get 21 rebounds is because we couldn't hit the bright side of a red barn. <clears throat> we couldn't get the ball to go in the basket enough times to score. So obviously somebody had to rebound. In fact, I believe it's possible that many of the guys on our team could have set the record that night. We could have all set the record because of the multiple rebounds. But they told me, said, 21 rebounds you got tonight. It's a new record. Now, I'm sure it's been broken by now. Uh, but, I, you know, that's my claim to fame. I don't have anything else to brag about in my life except for my family and, and, and how they've made me look good. But when it comes to basketball, buddy, that is it right there. I'm telling you, 21 rebounds. But my point today is that if you're going to succeed in life, you're going to have to learn how to rebound. You're going to have to pull in some things in your life that have gotten away from you. And that's the point, really, of this story here. And we're going to talk about that today, is that here's Peter, a man uh, who has been following Jesus around for three years now, three plus years. And the Lord speaks to him and tells him, he says, you're going to fail. You're going to have a misstep. The, the enemy of your soul is coming after you. But I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. 
And he promised him that he was going to overcome because he said, when you have rebounded, then good things are going to happen. So what does it take to be a good rebounder? Well, number one, we have to acknowledge that every rebound is preceded by a missed shot. Every rebound is preceded by a missed shot. Now, if you watch sports at all, you know that there are no 100% teams ever. They're just not. I don't care who you're watching play, there are going to be more misses than there are makes. Is that not true? And so in order to rebound the ball, there has to be a failure. There has to be a missed shot. Because without a missed shot, there can be no rebound. Oh, you might be able to grab the ball after it comes through the net and then take it out of bounds and start another play. But there's no rebound. You don't get credit for that because that's a normal, natural process in the game. But here's what I want you to see today is that we are all going to fail at some point. All of us at some point will miss the shot. Everybody is going to mess up at some point or another. Let me tell you, I mess up all the time. So I need to find me another church. Well, go ahead. When you find the new church, that new pastor is going to tell you that he or she messes up all the time too. Because we're, we're humans. We're, we're walking this thing out in life. And there are times that we think that we have all the right answers and actions and that we're going to be okay. And then we discover that we misspoke or we misstepped or, or we, we, we moved outside of the realm of what God wanted for us. And so we failed. And let me remind you that Jesus said to Peter, he said, you are going to deny me. He didn't say there's a possibility that you will. He didn't say it's, it, it, you could possibly if you're not. No, no, he already knew the situation. He knew in advance that Peter was going to fail him by denying that he even knew him. Now think about that. He's been traveling with Jesus now for over three years. And Jesus says, there's going to come a point soon where you're going to deny that you even know who I am. Now, that's a slip up. That, that's, that's a failure. But can I say that it, it's not an accident? He didn't accidentally deny the Lord. He already had in his heart. That it was going to happen because he was not, even though he was loud-mouthing, oh, I'll go with you to the grave. I'll go to the grave with you. I'll die with you. He already knew down deep in his heart that that was just, that was just smack talk. He, he, he was not committed to the place where he was willing to say uh, or, or to do what he said he was going to do. I'll stay with you. I'll go with you to the grave. No, no, he wasn't there. And the point is today that many of you are not there. You're okay as long as you can just come to church once a week, give a little in the offering and pay your tithe every now and then and maybe do a Sunday school class or whatever. But you're not really committed to the point where if the going gets tough, that you're willing to stick it out. 
I wish I had a nickel for every time somebody gave up on Jesus. I'd be a rich man today. So don't think it can't happen to you. It can happen to you. And it's possible that there are people sitting in this church today listening to me or on Facebook listening to me and you are thinking about giving up. You're thinking about changing directions. Life has gotten so hard for you that you don't think you're going to be able to make it. But let me tell you, you will make it. You can make it because Jesus is on your side if you'll just stay in the game. So the first thing we have to realize is is that you can't rebound anything unless there's a missed shot, unless there is a failure. The second thing that we have to understand about rebounding is that every shot must be immediately analyzed. As soon as the ball leaves your hands, a good rebounder will analyze the shot as soon as it goes up. Now, those of you who have ever played the game, I don't know how the mind does it. I don't know how the brain does it. But so much comes in to our, to our eyesight that, that we can sense whether the ball is on track or not. You can look at the flight of the ball and you can determine whether or not it's going to be short, whether or not it's going to be long, whether or not it's going to be off to the left, whether it's going to be off to the right. You can tell whether it's going to hit the back of the rim and bounce out. A good rebounder is able to analyze every shot. But a good rebounder doesn't analyze every five shots or every ten shots or every twenty shots because if that's all they ever analyze, then they're not a good rebounder. A good rebounder analyzes every shot that goes up. And a good rebounder knows how to then position himself or herself in a place where the ball is likely to strike the rim and then bounce off. And good rebounders know how to do that. Good rebounders know how to analyze the situation and then begin to make a plan or a process to get in place. And it doesn't take long. I mean, in a matter of seconds, in a matter of milliseconds, you can see Adam Morris, he's dribbling the ball, and he's got it. I mean, he's looking, he's getting ready to take that three ball from half court, and he's getting ready to go up. As soon as you realize how far out he is, he doesn't even have to shoot before you can start thinking, he can't even get it there. So I need to position myself on the front side because he's most likely either going to shoot an air ball or it's going to hit the front of the rim and come right back out because he's too far out. And you start processing this information. If Jamie's shooting, if Jamie has one of those rainbow shots. You know what that is? I mean, it's like he gets the ball and it's like, woo! It takes four days for the ball to come down. So when Jamie shoots, you just go get a cup of coffee, drink it, sit down for a few minutes, and then say, okay, I better go position myself because he shoots so high that, that both of these guys make a bunch of them. But my point is, and, and it's, it, it's just a little bit exaggerated, the point I'm trying to make here, is that your mind is so sharp, it was created by God the scripture says we are fearfully and wonderfully made, 
This mind has the ability to take in millions of sensory um, nodes, if you will, of information and put it all together in a split second and know exactly what to do in a very short period of time. And that's why it's very important that we analyze every shot. Because some of the shots will go in. And some of the shots will be short. And some of the shots will be to the left and some to the right. And some on the back. And some of them will even hit the back of the backboard all the way at the top. That our mind is able to move through that process. And likewise, Jesus was planting in the mind of Peter that he needed to be thinking about what his plan would be. Satan is coming after you. He desires to destroy you. He wants to bring you down and tear you down. And I'm telling you this in advance so that you'll know these things. Two things. Number one, don't worry about whether or not you're covered in prayer because I have already prayed for you. He didn't say, I'll pray for you one of these days. I might be able to get around to it on Tuesday of next week. If you'll put your prayer request in on the church app, then we'll get an email and we'll pray for you. Listen, there's nothing wrong with any of that. And, and they're very good conduits to get information to the prayer team so that we can be praying with you. But Jesus wasn't saying, I'm going to pray to you afterwards. He said, I have already prayed for you. It is already done. Somebody needs to know today that Jesus is not going to pray for you one day next week. He already knows what you're facing and he knows what you're going through and he knows what you've lost and he knows what you need to rediscover and he knows what you need to rebound and his word to you today is I've already prayed for you. Amen. Let me tell you, there's nothing more comforting to me this morning than to know that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who ascended into the heavenlies and took his seat at the right hand of the Father, ever lives to make intercession for the saints of God. Amen. We think about that make intercession, we automatically think he's praying for us and he is praying for us. But there's more to intercession than just praying. Sometimes intercession means that you have to stand up off of the throne and put some things into action. And when Jesus stands from the throne, then the angels of heaven are listening to carry the answer to his people. You say, you mean Jesus stands from the throne? What the ask Stephen when they are stoning him to death in the book of Acts? The Bible says that he looked up and he saw the Son of God and he was standing. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, I don't care how afraid you are today, how frightened you may be. I don't care how disgusted, busted, or frustrated that you are. I want you to know today, if you don't catch anything else that I say today, you need to know that the Son of God has prayed for your success. He wants you to know that he's already prayed for you. Well, well, what did he say? Well, he told Peter, he said, I have already prayed for you that your faith will fail not. You're going to go through the circumstance. You're going to have to face the stuff. But I'm guaranteeing you 
that if you'll just follow me and stick close to me, that your faith will not fail. When it's all done, you're going to be okay. When the storm has come and the winds have blown and the waves have roared against you, I want you to know that you'll still be standing in faith and know that everything will be okay. Amen. Every shot must be immediately analyzed as to what our next step will be. And then thirdly, the information obtained from the analyzation must be acted upon. How many of you guys that play basketball and ladies that play, how many of you know what I'm talking about when a shot goes up? There's something instinctive that happens. You know. You know whether it's going to go in or whether it's not. And because you know, because you have that impulse that this ball is going to fall short or it's going to be long or it's going to be right or left, then your mind has that information and that impulse. And then what do we do with that? We better get in there and we better position ourselves. Now, some of us, we just want to go in for the highlight reel. I mean, honestly, we, all we care about is just flying high into the sky and taking the ball and slamming it in and then turning around and going, <laughs> some of us, that's all we care about. Let me tell you, I've seen this church league that we play in. And let me tell you, there's not anybody that plays on our team or anybody that plays on anybody else's team that's good enough to do that. If they could, they wouldn't be playing in our league. Let me tell you. Now, see, I was raised in old school ball. If you try to do that kind of stuff, our coach would sit you on the bench. And he would say, when you go up for the rebound, I don't want you trying to showboat. I want you to get both of your hands on that ball as fast as you can. Grab it. And pull it to yourself until you see where the ball needs to go. And if you don't do that, you're going to be sitting on the bench by me. Some of us want that flashy Christianity. I mean, we just want it to be flashy. We want to go to all these meetings and just have some big spitting preacher come by and throw his hands on us and shake our head to death and then wrap his leg around us and throw us over in the floor. We like that flashy stuff. We enjoy it. We dig it. Listen, I don't need somebody to push me over. If I need to fall out on the floor, I'm not going to debate it. I'm just, it's just going to happen with me. But we like all this flashy stuff. You know, in old school ball, when I was growing up, you couldn't even throw the ball behind your back. If you took the ball and you wanted to pass it somebody and you couldn't pass it like this and you tried to go like that and pass it, it's on the bench. I don't care if they got the ball and dunked it and the crowd went nuts. The coach said, on the bench, you showboat. See, they weren't concerned about raising up showboats. They were raised, that they were concerned about raising up men and women who would catch the ball and protect it and then advance it to whoever needed to have it to make the next play. But we have to learn how to act on it. Now, I, I, I heard a coach one time say this because we had this guy, I won't tell you what his name was, it was he was on the team in college with me. He loved to shoot the ball. 
uh, he was a ball hog. Anybody know what a ball hog is? I, I didn't know if you knew what that was. It means anytime you pass it to him, you better go ahead and get yourself positioned for a rebound because there wasn't going to be a pass back. He's going to shoot it. At some point, he was going to shoot it. And here's the bad thing. Back in my days, they didn't have shot clocks. They didn't have this 24, 30-second stuff. You could hold the ball all day long. I mean, you didn't have to get rid of it. You didn't have to shoot it. You could go stand in the corner and just dribble. And they didn't, you didn't see any ref off on the side going. They didn't do that kind of stuff. You just dribble it all you wanted to dribble it all day long. And when you had a ball hog on your team, buddy, that was bad stuff. Bad stuff indeed. But one of his faults was, and the coach used to yell at him all the time. He'd call his name, boy, I almost said his name. Thank you, Jesus. He'd get the ball and he'd shoot and then he'd pull one of these things. He'd turn around immediately. Start running down to the other end of the court. Because he never had any doubt in his mind that he was going to make the shot. He made very few of them. But he had to strut down. You know what I'm saying? It was like, woo! <clears throat> and the coach would say to him, look at me, son. Look at me, boy. So I want you to follow your shot. Because if you would just simply follow your shot, you might be able to get one of the rebounds from your own shot and be able to follow it up and put it back up for a layup. Do you understand what I'm saying? Stop strutting and position yourself by following your shot so that you can get the rebound when it comes off the rim. I know Christians like that, don't you? No preachers like that. Bless God, the Lord's had the Bathsheba. Hallelujah, give me a towel that I can jerk off my neck and 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 then wipe all the sweat off of me and all that kind. I mean, we love that kind of stuff. It it it's the Pentecostal equivalent to the strut. Say something and say, oh, hallelujah. I thought, you ain't hearing me now. You better step up. Somebody ought to shout in this house today. <laughs> if I got to tell you to do all that stuff, I'd rather you just sit there and look at me. <laughs> it's like one preacher, he said, he said, I don't think I'm going to preach tonight. He said, I think I'm just going to go to church and shout them and go home. And then he said, no. He said, knowing my people, it would be easier to preach than it would be to shout them. You know, sometimes we get caught up in all this stuff when really what we ought to be concerned about is possessing what God has for us and holding it tightly in our hands so that it cannot get away from us. Grab the rebound and hold it uh, until the next player becomes available to pass off to. And that's my last point. Come help me quit if you will. Every rebound provides new opportunities. 
I was watching a highlight reel yesterday, and there was one college team that got seven offensive rebounds in a row on the same possession. Shoot, miss, rebound. Shoot, miss, offensive rebound. Shoot, miss, offensive rebound. Shoot, miss, offensive rebound. How many is that? Five? Shoot, since I've gone so far, let me finish. Shoot, miss, offensive rebound. One more. Shoot, miss, offensive rebound. Seven times they shot, and seven times they missed. And when the announcer said, it's been a very long time since I've seen someone recover from missing a shot seven times in a row and getting the rebound. And you know what I thought about? I thought about that passage of Scripture says that the righteous man, the godly man, though he falls seven times, he will rise again. See, each rebound provides new opportunities. You say, aren't you getting away from the Scripture a little bit? No, no, listen. Listen to what he says. And verse 32, he says, I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, when you have rebounded, when you have what you lost firmly back in your hands, don't pose for the camera. Don't turn to the stands and go, He said, when you have it back in your hand, when you have rebounded, when you have possessed what you lost, strengthen your brothers. Don't miss that. Because if all you do is rebound the ball and give... You ever seen anybody do that? I've seen guys like to do that so much. There's nobody even around trying to get the ball from them, but they just like to do it. (laughs) They're like my dog. Get a ball in his mouth. And nobody's even around him. Just shaking the ball in his mouth. I know rebounders, basketball players. He said, listen, it's not about how many times you can twist the ball in your hands. It's not about how good you can look in the midst of the rebound. It's not about how many times you show up on ESPN. None of that matters. The whole point of the rebound is to bless your brothers and pass the ball to them. Good teams are able to do that. Good rebounders are never thinking, I'm going to grab this ball and I'm going to go coast to coast and score. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it's possible to do that. But more times than not, a good rebounder is getting his hand on the ball. And before he even gets the ball in his hand, he's looking. His eyes are looking. Many times it's been drilled into them in practice. Look for the outlet man. The outlet man will be right there in that place. 
There is a designated outlet man. We want the ball to go from your hands to the outlet man. And a good rebounder knows who his help is and is ready to pass it and get the next opportunity going so that the team can succeed. We live in a world that is very selfish in many ways. It really is all about us. I, I, you know, I've already told you, I've already given up my age, I guess, because I've used the words old school several times. But back in my day, when kids went to college, there was a good possibility that they were going to go to the college and they were going to play ball there for four years. You'd get to see them develop from the time that they were a senior in high school and they commit to the college and they come in and and you see them when a freshman and then you see them as a sophomore and then you see them as a junior and then a senior and we had senior days and and we watched them then move on into the NBA. But now it's just I'll come and I'll maybe stay a year and then I'm going for the big bucks. I'm, I'm not complaining nor am I criticizing. If somebody offered me millions and millions of dollars and I had come out of a life that had been less than good, I would probably take the millions too. But what I'm saying is, is that we don't see the development as much these days as we used to see. And so we don't get to celebrate them as much as we used to. And because of that, we don't have the team feeling as much as we used to. But let me tell you, body of Christ, we need each other today more than ever before. We're a team. It's not about me. It's not about how known that I can be. It's, it's, it's not about... I, I had somebody tell me, they said, I invited somebody to church the other day and I told them, oh, you never heard a preacher preach like that man can preach. You've got to come hear him. Number one, don't do that because it's not about me. It's about Jesus. What I'd rather you do is invite people and say, I want you to come to my church because Jesus is there. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, uh, there is liberty. Amen. That's what I'd like for you to do. Besides that, if all you do is say, you need to come hear this man preach, you've never heard a guy preach quite like that. They can take that good or bad. I could be a donkey preaching. You know what I'm saying? So just tell them Jesus is here. Tell them the Spirit of the Lord is here. He's alive and well. And His Holy Spirit is here to minister. Rebound. I know this is, this is probably different than I typically do. But I'm telling you, the Lord really put it on my heart today. That there are people in this house today that you've lost something that you once had. Something that you once possessed tightly. Somehow you lost that. 
just like Peter, the man who walked with Jesus every day for over three years in a moment lost what he had because he denied even knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you have lost something in your life. But I want you to know today that the good news is that you can rebound get it back in your possession you say how do you know that because Peter rebounded he, de- he denied the Lord and so oh, you, you've got to be one of them you talk like no no I don't know the man but on the third time the Bible says that immediately the rooster crowed and the eyes of Jesus the eyes of Peter and when their eyes connected Peter knew I lost something that I had I lost something it's in that moment you have two choices you can either say well I've already lost it anyway so what's the point or you can say uh uh I remember what my Jesus said. I hear his words ringing in my heart. He was right. He called it. I failed. I missed the shot. I was off target. But he told me that I wouldn't lose my faith. And because I can't lose my faith and won't lose my faith, I'm going to find my way back to where I need to be. And after the resurrection, Jesus called for his disciples, come and tell Peter. (laughs) Tell Peter to come. The Lord has not given up on you. You may have fell. You may have made huge mistakes in your life let me remind you that he has not given up on you and Jesus helped Peter he met him on a beach he said Peter do you love me he said Lord you know I love you he said well then feed my sheep Peter do you love me Lord you know I love you feed my people Three times, three times, we hear that comforting voice of Jesus saying, you may have failed, but all of that is forgiven. And I want you to start shooting the ball again. Don't you just hold the ball. Shoot, son. Shoot, son. Shoot the ball. Because you cannot score if all you do is hold the rock. You got to shoot it. You got to release what God has put into your hands. You have to be willing to put out there what God has placed into your hands. Jesus ascended. He goes into the heavenlies. He's already told them, I must go. But that's okay. It's going to be better for you that I go. 
because the Father is going to send one who is just like me. He's going to send another comforter who is just like me. And he will not only be with you, but he shall be in you. And on the day of Pentecost, the spirit of the high God fell upon them. There were tongues as of fire sitting upon them. There were big sounds and noises that took place. And the Holy Spirit rested upon every one of them that were there. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And when they started out into the streets, the scripture says that the city said, you must be drunk with wine. And they said, oh, you've got it all wrong. This is not wine like you suppose. But this is that which the prophet Joel prophesied would come. And Peter said, pass me the ball, boys. I'm ready to do some preaching. And he got it, and he stood up, and he started preaching and declaring what the word of the Lord said. And the scripture said that that man who just a little bit before had lost something, gained it back and more. And as he preached under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says 3,000 souls came to Christ on that day. Why? Because one man of God anointed and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit reclaimed everything that the enemy had taken from him and rose above it and he rebounded.